Hi, this is Katie, and welcome to another episode of Sick Life. Um, where to start? Um, it's Friday, I just got home from work, and I'm all hopped up on iced coffee. Um, so I was able to, this week I, so I, I generally work four days a week, um, but I miss a lot because I've been, because of being sick. Um, let's see, this week I only missed half a day for being sick, half a day for something else, but um, that's pretty good. Um, so, I don't know, I'm trying to, so since I'm all hopped up on iced coffee, I thought I'd, um, record an episode of Sick Life. It's hard, having chronic illnesses, it's hard to keep up with stuff because for so often I'll be basically, um, stuck in bed and not really, and, you know, too even just talking like this is, is too much for me sometimes. And I love talking. (laughs) So, you know, that that's, that's bad when I'm too, when I'm too tired, uh, too exhausted to even, or feel too shitty to even give my opinion about stuff, you know, it's really bad. And so I think you kind of see that in with different projects. Um, there definitely are, and I don't want to ignore, um, the amazing sick people that do really great work, but for someone who's, um, who's, I don't know, there's, my kids are screaming outside in the background. Um, I hope that, I don't know if the mic's picking it up. Hopefully it's not. Anyway, um, screaming in a good way. <laughs> oh, they're screaming. They've, they're bleeding and I'm just sitting here talking into the microphone. Um, they're, anyway, um, yeah, so it's hard to, to keep stuff. I, a lot of times still deal with feeling bad about myself because I start so many things and I don't finish them. Um, I think even before I got sick, that was kind of part of my personality. I have a lot of ideas, not a lot of good ideas, (laughs) but a lot of ideas and I try to do them and, um, I quit. I also have that thing where a lot of people do where I saw a meme going around about this, where, you know, you were quote unquote gifted as a child or you were identified as gifted, which um, definitely for us, for white people, um, part of white privilege is kind of being identified, um, as gifted or talented or or different ways, um, at a younger age. So I want to acknowledge the white privilege part of it, but being identified as gifted and having this thing where you just only do stuff that you're immediately good at and things that you aren't good at, you, you stop doing, um, and I definitely had that problem. It wasn't really till my uh, 30s that I, um, it wasn't until my 30s that I realized that I can like, oh, I can get better at stuff, right? So I can like start something and put work into it and get better. So if I'm not amazing at something right away, I can still, you know, people, it takes work to learn stuff. And if you put work and time into stuff, you can learn stuff. I've been doing that with my zines with drawing. I'm still a really bad drawer, but it's not stopping me so far. I also with this podcast, I have a lot of insecurities around it. Um, and I don't know whether it's just like boring to talk about my, or too like meta in this obnoxious way, too self-centered to be talking about my anxieties about this podcast, but just putting stuff out there and having people be mean And, you know, I think that's another function of white privilege, too, is just being so used to people being like, 
nice about everything. Um, even if things aren't that great, people usually will be like, okay, yeah, you know, just as a white person, I can get away with mediocrity. And I'm worried that that's what I'm doing now with this. Um, I don't really know what getaway means in this context, but I, I have a lot of insecurities around keeping up with stuff and, and learning stuff and doing a bad job and, and just in putting stuff out that just, you know, I think that's, it's normal to feel insecure when you put stuff out there about people's responses. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about insecurity today, actually, because I have a friend and I'm, I have several friends. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I have a friend and I am convinced like his partner doesn't like me, even though his partner, even if, I mean, his partner is totally polite and nice and to me, um, whenever we hang out and all this to say it, and it just, I just, I'm insecure. I'm like, Oh, what if I'm insecure about people not liking me? I'm insecure about people not liking my stuff. I'm insecure about all this stuff, even though I have ways of dealing with that. Um, I don't know. It really wasn't, once again, until my 30s that I've been okay with kind of putting myself out there and just kind of seeing what happens. I never did any kind of art stuff before then because I um, I was too scared about reactions and didn't feel like I had the right to do things and the right to... It was like, who wants to hear what I have to say? Who wants to hear what I have to do? And it wasn't... And gradually I'm getting more comfortable by... Especially because people have said some nice things to me, just, oh, I can relate to that. Um, and just especially stuff about being sick um, and the experience of it is people have responded positively about seeing some of their experiences, some that they, some of their experiences um, portrayed. I don't know what the point, I don't know what the point that is or the point to anything is, but basically I have insecurities and anxieties. And one of those is how much about my insecurities and anxieties I should talk about here. Um, who knows? I guess it's all an experiment. Life's all an experiment. experiment. Um, one of my dear friends uh, says that, or that her mom said that, and I think it it's true. So... Uh, it's also Mother's Day this Sunday, which, ugh. Um, and I have, so I have a great mom that I have a great relationship with. I, she lives a block away. I talk to her every day. I hang out with her a lot. Um, I have great kids. There's, being a stepmom is weird in certain ways. I'm a stepmom to the three oldest, uh, technically. But, you know, I have it pretty good when it comes to this relationship stuff. And so Mother's Day is hard even for me. And I can't, so I can't imagine what it does to people that have more fraught relationships or uh, grief or whatever. Um, I wish that they would kind of get rid of it altogether and instead we uh, treat, we value caretakers and people that do caretaking work, um, especially emotional caretaking work, because that is so undervalued that we do that all the time and support caregivers and help caregivers, especially as a sick person, you know, with Sean, 
my husband, he, he does a lot of like physical caretaking work for me. Um, and I do a lot of physical, I do a lot of emotional caretaking work of him and the kids and a lot of people. And I wish that was acknowledged better all year round. So in all the ways that comes, so we wouldn't have this day that, that is just really painful for a lot of people. So my heart goes out, I guess the point, my heart goes out to everyone who's, this is hard. Um, I have four kids. I can always add more to, you know, um, even if you're older than me, if you need mama love or mama hugs, um, <laughs> let me know. It's just, it's hard. And caretakers are of all kinds are, are awesome, except when they're not. And it's just something we need to pay more attention to. Um, anyway, I do... So, I have a lot to say today, probably probably related to the giant iced coffee I had a couple hours ago to get through the workday, but I, the other day, um, I want to talk about also the, the different, this is a totally different topic, um, talk about the things that we do, what choices that we make, I don't know if that's the right phrasing. Anyway, I'll just start with my story. So I went to this training thing the other day, which I shouldn't have even gone to. It was free. As a lawyer, you need to um, do these like continuing education credits every year, a certain amount. And there is this free one um, on campus, the campus where I work about um, sex trafficking. Um, that's all I'm going to talk about the content of the, of the conference. Um, so don't worry, I'm not going to get into the details of it because that's not relevant to the story I'm telling now. Um, <laughs> not that I just stick to relevant details ever. It's funny that I'm even doing this podcast because I'm the worst storyteller because I go on tangents. But so it was free. It was a free training to get a, a few credits towards this yearly requirement. So and it was just a couple blocks away. So first of all, I walked over there which I shouldn't have done. It's just too far, especially it was the middle of the day. Um, and so it was warmer, but I can't walk a couple blocks and then walk a couple blocks back. Like that's just, I'm still feeling that a lot today. I have a lot of pain from that. I also um, was just thinking about the different choices I made with that. So I decided um, not to bring my parasol with me to work to bring to that because I didn't, I felt so conspicuous, um, even though that would have helped with some of the effects of sun that I get. I'm extremely sensitive to sun, um, and I quickly get, for my illness, but I always have been, plus my illnesses, plus my medication, I just, I really, I can't be outside in the sun basically at all, and, but so I didn't bring my parasol because I didn't want to be conspicuous on campus, and keep in mind, I'm like more or less out about my illnesses to everyone, all you need to do is Google me and there's something where I'm talking about them. So it's not like I'm even trying to hide something from people. And there's a million valid reasons why someone would. And I also want to acknowledge the privilege of choosing to disclose or not my illnesses. Um, that there's different things, you know, invisibility, invisible illnesses have a lot of different there's, there, it's just, it's complicated. I don't want to say it's like, it's complicated. But anyway, I want to acknowledge the fact that that is a privilege to getting, getting able to choose, um, whether to even 
have markers of my disability when I'm out in public. So, um, oh, um, the shelf that the mic's on is not strong. Anyway, um, so I see, this is when I wish I could like edit and stuff and I just don't have the energy. I know that this definitely wouldn't be sustainable if I did all that stuff. So it's just not happening. But, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So I went to, so I didn't bring the parasol because I don't want to be too conspicuous about it. Um, I chose, so when I got in there, I, you sign in and then, um, you went up stairs or no, you went downstairs, whatever there were stairs. And because I was like in front of some of the legal people that I know, I, instead of like trying to look for an elevator, um, I went up a flight of stairs um, which also was about being conspicuous and I didn't want people to see that I had mobility issues. And I don't even know why. I mean, I can, after the fact, kind of analyze this stuff, but in the moment be like, oh, I guess I'll just take the stairs. And I convince myself that, oh, it's okay. This will be fine for my body. My body won't be bothered by this at all. So I took this, so I took those stairs and then I had to go to the bathroom, um, during the thing and I went up stairs again and actually there was um the closest bathroom was a disabled bathroom which I definitely am trying to have a lot you know I think there's a lot to say and think about and around okay disabled bathrooms who they're for who can use them when they can be used um, and I'm open to hearing what people think. But anyway, in this case, I felt, okay, you know, like I have mobility issues. This bathroom's right here. I don't know where they, the building, I'd never been in this building before. I don't know where the other bathrooms are. I don't see them. So I'm going to use this one. And I don't know if it was, if I was being responsible, thinking about people with other, other disabilities that might need that bathroom or whether it was like more internalized ableism. All this stuff that I'm talking about too comes from so much internalized ableism. Um, yeah, all these different things about being conspicuous and like what it's so weird too, because if you know me, I'm like the most fucking conspicuous person ever in a lot of ways. Like I'm super loud. I wear a lot of bright colors and like, most people would be like, oh, she doesn't give a fuck, probably, or, or something. Um, which, as you can see from my insecurities in the beginning, I do give a fuck more than I would like in certain senses. In other senses, I think it's good. Um, I've actually grown, I realized, a lot from my caring about what other people think because I, I've gotten discerning. Um, I've gotten better about knowing whose opinions to care about and whose don't. Not to, but anyway... Basically, I would think like, oh, I don't give, I don't like give a fuck what these, you know, students and these other lawyers and all these other people think about me in those ways, especially when it comes to my disabilities. But yet I'm making all these choices to downplay my disability and these choices that have concrete physical effects for me. Um, like I've said today, I've had my back has been really painful today. And my legs have and knees have hurt um, that they wouldn't have if 
I didn't make these choices, and I spent last night feeling sick from the sun exposure. And I just think about, like, why why do I do this to myself? Why is my brain's mechanism, like, trying to talk myself out of all the things that I know I should be doing for myself to help myself? And I don't have... I. I kind of have an answer to that, and I kind of don't. Um, I mean, the answer is internalized ableism. And it's just so interesting that my natural, that's my natural inclination. It's not till even, like, later when I was, when I was walking back, when I was like, why am I doing this? This is not, this does not work for me. Walking, and there's probably other options um, of ways I can look into to go from my building to other buildings on campus where I don't have to walk. And hopefully I will have dealt with my internalized ableism demons enough to, to take advantage of this next time, but I don't know if I will. Uh, I wrote, I actually wrote a piece for The Body is Not an Apology um, last summer about, about uh, the reasons that I don't use assistive devices and why all those reasons are bullshit because a similar, you know, it's not like this is the first time I've been thinking about this stuff yet. I'm still doing these things that are bad for me. Um, last summer, for my oldest birthday, we went to an amusement park. And I had the whole thing. I had, like, a hat, a parasol. I um, was doing pretty good with, like, the sun protection stuff. But I should have rented a scooter. I was trying to be um, – I was trying to save money, which is a, for real – it's a real concern for a lot of people and – for me too, but I could have afforded it if I needed to. And I just didn't, I didn't do it because I, on the one hand, I didn't feel like I'm disabled enough, quote unquote, enough to use assistive devices like that or use things such as if there's like, you know, they bring you they can transport you on campus in like little golf carts or whatever. Like on the one hand, because my disabilities are invisible and because I'm still have this thing of like, what if I'm making it up that I've talked about before? I feel like on the one hand, I'm not entitled to use these things, even though I totally am. And I know that my logic brain knows that, but there's still, you know, I still can't get over that feeling. And another reason, I, I do think there's something, too, about, okay, realizing that, okay, I am that disabled. Um, there's a lot of things that I am plan to do that I'm probably too disabled for, and at least at this point in my life, and it's so hard to feel... It's so hard to deal with that, that there are certain things that I just can't do anymore that I could do and that I probably will never be able to do again. I, it's hard for me to really get that and feel that. Um, and now someone, and I'm, spend, you know, at this, I can't really be outside. I am often in bed. I have been able to hold on this job so far at four days a week with 
they're very good about letting me call in sick. Um, whatever that means in terms of my level of disability, I don't know. I just, you know, when I think about things, like even just kind of being, like going to the beach. I used to love it, even though I've always had sun issues, and I've, but I've always been amazing about sunscreen and shade, but now I can't at all. I can't be outside for more than a couple minutes during the day um, in the worst part of the sun without a bunch of accessories. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I'm really limited in in my daily life, there's so many things that I've incorporated that it's like, oh, I can't go outside, I can't do this, I can't do that. But really understanding what that means and realizing like, oh, probably some of these things I won't ever be able to do. And dealing with that is something that I've been not successful about at all. And... You know, that's internalized ableism, too, I think, in capitalism, putting a lot of value on on things. But also, it's, it's also just to life and enjoyment. I mean, things, you know, working is one thing, but not being able to do things that I used to enjoy doing is hard. Um, I don't know. I wonder if <laughs> everyone, like, with, or the person who's listening to this, the two people that are listening to this, but if, if people are listening to this, that disabilities they were born with are like, fuck you, bitch, you at least got to do it for, you know, for the first 25 years of your life, <laughs> you know, I think that, and that's a really good point, um, and I acknowledge that, but, so, I guess, yeah, there's part of me that feels like using an assistive device is kind of really being like, wow, you're really disabled, and I've been sick for 10 years, so, it's not like it was just yesterday that I was, that I've been dealing with this too. And I still am not at that place. And by not accepting what I can't do, and I'm just realizing this as I'm saying this, by not accepting what I can't do and being okay with using every assistive device and everything I can to, to help me do what I'm able to do. I'm cutting myself off from being able to do more things, if that makes sense. Like if I would just be like, if my brain and myself would just let me be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the art museum so I can rent a wheelchair there and use it. I'd be able to go to the art museum. But instead, I don't go to the art museum because, oh, I'm not able to stand for very long. And, you know, or walk for very long either. And so if I just was like, okay, yeah, I can't do that, but I can do do that I can use these tools and they're just tools. You know, would you, if someone, the analogy uses like a remote control for a TV, like most people are able to manually get up and change a channel if they want. Yet most of us still will use a remote, you know, for those of us that those 10 of us that still have TV and cable, which I do, I can't, I love it. Um, I spend a lot of time watching TV cause I'm in bed all the time. But we we don't expect someone who's able to get up and change a channel to get up and change a channel every time because that's what a remote control is for. I mean, same with a wheelchair, same with any other assistive device. It's a tool. Same with, you know, it's a tool to be used to help people 
do things and enjoy life. And I feel like sometimes for a lot of us, and I know I'm not the only one that feels this way, but a lot of us, there's this like, especially with invisible disabilities, there's this bar we feel like we have to, to cross or like to be above, like, you know, you have to be this disabled to use something. Not to mention just ableism in general. People are shitty and people will, if they see someone using wheelchair and then walking as well, they freak out and they're shitty. And I hate that. I hate that that keeps me from doing stuff too. It's understandable, but I hate that because I, a lot of the stuff, like if you knew me, you would, you would never think that. that I, I have these insecurities. So I guess what I'm trying to say is even people that you don't think have these insecurities might, and insecurity is probably not the right word because it's not like some aberration on my part. This is what society tells us. This is just all like form and function of ableism. So basically I guess I need to, to face reality and also, and, and face my life and fuck everyone else except for the people that I care about and trust in them. I will continue to try to do good by them. Um, and so another thing, and this is what I really wanted to talk about, even though it's been a million years already, but um, Sean's not back with the food yet, so <laughs> I'll keep talking, um, is a big thing when it comes to assistive devices in me has to do with the being fat. And so I want to talk about fat phobia and sizeism and how that intersects with disability, especially chronic illness disability. Once again, this will be part one of a million because there are so many things. Um, I was fat before I was disabled. And I do want to acknowledge too that I definitely have it a lot easier than people much bigger than me and people that also have other oppressed identities, other marginalized identities as well. But so keep in mind, so basically, I'm a small to medium-sized fat person. I'm white. My Before I had a baby, my fat, you know, I was distributed in the more or less like a quote-unquote hourglass thing, like the most quote-unquote acceptable you know, kind of thing. Like I looked like, you know, one of those poster children for fat acceptance, um, relatively, like I said, relatively small, fat, white, hourglass figure. I was the most acceptable kind of fat that you can be. And still, I dealt with a bunch of bullshit around being sick and fat. But um, I started identifying as fat when I was thinner than I think I would have if in kind of identifying with the fat, um, fat positivity movement thinner than I would normally, I think because of being sick, because I was going to doctors all the time, and even though I was not, you know, no one's ever, for, so let's, for example, um, ugh, my brain and my mouth are running in a million places, um, they would always talk about my weight, always, um, and I was going to doctors a lot and new doctors and specialists and, you know, trying to figure all this stuff out. And they would um, tell me that 
you know, talk to me about, oh, you need to lose weight, you need to exercise, you need to, um, gosh, I'm just got here with my food. I'm going to, well, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit, but um, now I feel awkward because he's in here. Okay, yeah, can you leave just for a second? I don't know why. Um, okay, I'm kicking him out for a minute and just finish this. Um, not that any of this is new to him. I'm just feeling, I'm extra anxious. That's probably the coffee. I'm extra anxious and insecure today. So, and he's the most supportive person ever, and I'm still like, no. Um, anyway, so every doctor I went, you know, went to would mention my weight at first. And keep in mind, I'm the kind of, like, if you saw me in the street, you wouldn't even notice. Um, I still don't get a lot of the shit that a lot of people fatter than me do, a lot of um, fat people of color get, especially fat women of color get, um, I, I guess I can't, I'm, I know I keep repeating this, but I can't, it's impossible to overstate how much privilege I have relative to other fat people. And yet, even still, I would, you know, go, I would start sobbing. I would leave the appointment sobbing. I would cry in the car, uh, partially because it's fat stuff. And a lot of doctors would just dismiss me and just say I need to exercise more when exercising was impossible because of how much pain I was in. And they didn't, and they wanted, you know, they wanted me to exercise to lose weight. Um, and these are people that didn't even ask me how much I was exercising to begin with, too. So let me just say that. It wasn't like they were like, oh, how much do you exercise? Okay, you need to exercise more. They would just look at my body and look at the, my weight and say, you need to exercise. I could have been a marathon runner. And they were like, you need to exercise. And come to find out, luckily I have a good doctor. My rheumatologist is amazing now. And she was, tells me to not exercise, that I usually do too much. And it makes me sicker. And I'm so lucky because I think most fat people still, you know, would have doctors saying, you need to exercise, you need to exercise, you need to exercise. And refuse to listen to refuse to, you know, actually treat the person and they could be making themselves, they could be trying to listen to the doctor and try to exercise more and making themselves sicker. Um, cause come to find out, yeah, if I try to exercise more, that does make me sicker. So dealing with doctors doing that, that was, it's been really traumatic and it didn't have to be, it doesn't. And it makes me so angry now when I think about it how traumatized I was and am from doctors a lot because of fat stuff, um, fat stuff and not, and not listening to me and believing me about my pain and the things I was saying and just how debilitating it was and how much pain I was in. And I still have a ton of trauma around that. Like my worst nightmares that I've had. And I remember the instances I've had, Reoccurred three times so far, but it's about really being very injured and needing help and people being like, oh, you're fine, you're fine. And those are the dreams I wake up or the nightmares I wake up like the most terrified and sobbing from. But I have, a, so I have a lot of trauma around that. And trauma sounds like a strong word to use. And I'm not one to, I don't usually, I don't use that word lightly when I'm talking about myself. I, but I, it is, I mean, real trauma. And so 
with assistive devices, you know, there's this horrible stereotype thing about fat people on mobility scooters. And I fucking hate so much that I let that get to me and let that influence me and let that make me sicker and let that make me appreciate the things I can do more, especially with, you know, there's just so many things that I feel like I can't do. But if I was more open to those devices, you know, I probably could do more things that I want to do. I don't need to do more for anyone. But I mean, for, for my own enjoyment, I there's things I want to do more. And I'm actually going to, sometime, I'm going to challenge myself and I'll report back about it, but I want to challenge myself to use assistive devices more. And I hope other people do too. But I mean, it's real, you know, the shit that fat people get when they're using assistive devices, the looks, the snickers, the just all the different responses of dealing with people. And that's exhausting too. And it's hard that they people just won't let other people just live and be. You don't need to love me. I don't even care what people think in their heads. Just don't let me know about it or whatever. And let me do, let me just live my life and do things. I don't know. But the food's here and I'm starving. And I'm sure there's so, I have so much more to say about fat phobia and assistive devices and internalized disability, internalized ableism. But I don't know, this weekend I am going to go somewhere that I didn't think I could do and use an assistive device. Maybe not this weekend, depending on how tired I am, but sometime soon. And yeah, and I'm going to use this podcast to keep myself accountable to that, I guess. So All right. Anyone who's listened this far, thank you so much. Please feel free to email me at sicklifepodcast at gmail.com. And even though I'm very insecure and I want everyone to like me, feel free. I actually do listen well to uh, well-meaning criticism. So I'm happy for that. But you can also say nice things to me. Um, So thanks, and please make sure to subscribe on iTunes because I just release these as I say them. And so to make sure you get all the episodes, subscribe. Also rate it on iTunes. And have a good weekend. And everyone whose Mother's Day is hard for, I'm here for you. And feel free to email me at that email address too. And I'll keep an eye on it, and I'll try to send love in ways that I can for anyone that needs it, um, health permitting. All right, bye.